As you know, we've been talking about this wonderful subject on the awesome power of God. And uh, I'll tell you, I've been really blessed just studying it and just learning more about the awesomeness of His power. And you know, we'll never get to know all there is to know about the power of God because we've learned that His power is, is infinite, immeasurable. It's, it's, it's unlimited. It's, it's beyond measure. It's like you can't even measure it. But we do know also that we've got a glimpse or a taste of His power. And we know that, his, that God will never hold back His power because His power is to minister to us and to speak to us and to use us. And, and as I said before, God will never abuse His power. But He'll only use His power to magnify His glory and to fulfill His purpose here on the earth. Uh, I want to share a little story with you. Something I read the other day. It's about a woman and a preacher. And this woman went to go see this well-known preacher that she'd been wanting to see. And at the end of the service, she went up to speak with him because she had a question she wanted to ask him. And so the question that she asked was this. Do you think that we should pray for even the little things in our lives or just for the big things? And in his dignified manner, the, the preacher responds to the woman and says, Madam, is there anything... Or I may say, let me uh, repeat that again. Madam, can you think of anything in your life that is big to God? Now, I'm going to direct that question to you. Is there anything in your life that is too big for God? And the question should be, and the answer should be no. As, as we've been learning in the last two sessions, nothing is too big for God. Nothing. Even when you think you've got a big problem that you want to bring to God, it's still not big enough. Because God can handle any problem. He's the almighty God. We learn about how he's all powerful. So that means he's all powerful even whatever problems that you may have. And you know, it's, it's interesting because whenever we're faced with a situation in our lives and we're really challenged and we've done all that we could do and we've exhausted all of our resources, all of our strength, all of our intellect, and still fall short. That can be a very frustrating time to be, uh, a place to be. How many of you agree with that? Yeah. And it can also be a scary time too. Because when you thought you've done everything and it still doesn't work, then the question is, what do we do now? But here's the problem. We always wait for God as the last resort. Why do we do that? Why is it that we always leave Him as the last resort? But we're going to find out more about that tonight. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 3. <clears throat> There's nothing too big for God on this earth. No matter what the circumstances are. No matter how challenging your situation may be. No matter how overwhelming your problem is. Nothing is too big for God. God's power is far greater and more powerful than anything in this world. Ephesians chapter 3. And in verse 20 it says this. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power that works in us. I just want to focus on the first part of that verse. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. The word able means to, to be capable of or to, um, to make, uh, make possible. And so the scripture is saying that God is able to make possible 
or is capable of doing exceeding abundantly or super abundantly or excessive far above all that you and I could ever ask or think. If you and going back to the to the woman who asked the preacher, is there anything too big for God? Even your biggest problem is not big enough. And so it's interesting how, and we talked about, and we've seen many examples of God's excessive power. We've seen how he can part the Red Sea. We see how he has power over creation. We saw how effortless his power is when he spoke life into existence. We saw how, how his power is, is self-generating, is constantly sustaining the world. We also saw how he's uh, the out-of-nothing God, how he's able to create something from nothing. That's what God is able to do. But the second part of this verse is the most interesting part, and my favorite part. And it says that, uh, let me read that to you. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that work in us. Now two things I want, to, I want you to bring to your attention here. There is power in us. That word power is dunamis or force, or supernatural ability. And according to the scripture, according to Paul, he says that there is power in us. There is supernatural ability in us. The second thing I want you to see here, that it is working. It's active. So there is a dunamis power. There is a supernatural ability that is active in us. Do you know that there is an invisible power working in your home called electricity? Now, I mean, I'm, to the common layperson, uh, we don't understand how the power of electricity works. We only know the results of its power. You walk into a room and turn on a switch, what, what happens? Light comes on. That's the result of the power of electricity. You know, you, you uh, open up your refrigerator and you notice a cool air coming through the refrigerator. That's because there's power causing that refrigerator to cool your, your meals. You put your, your food in the microwave, that power of electricity is warming your food. And so you see the results of this power. Well, the power of electricity in our home, and you know, it's interesting too because electricity has power within itself. Do you believe that? Because if you don't believe that, take a piece of metal, stick it in the outlet, and you'll find that you'll be, you'll find that you'll be the, another light in your house. But that's, that's that invisible power that is working that we don't see, that we don't understand. We just know the result of it. Well, when we talk about the invisible power, nothing can be compared to the invisible power that is working in you and me, in the person of the Holy Spirit. And that's what the power that is working in us is. You know, when you talk about the power of God, you cannot talk about the power of God without simultaneously talking about the Spirit of God. And we're going to take, we're going to look at that uh, in just a moment. So, how many of you have an engine in your vehicle? Because if you didn't, you would not be here right now, would you? But an engine's an interesting thing. Because an engine is located underneath the hood of a car. Right? It's where it dwells. Even if it's not moving, even if it's just parked, even if it's just sitting in the lot. Underneath that hood is an invisible power source. And what is an engine designed to do? It's designed to take you somewhere. Right? 
So it would be foolish for a person to take or to push a perfectly brand new automobile up a hill. Wouldn't that be foolish? I mean, why push a vehicle that has the power to carry you to where you need to go? Right? So it would be foolish to, to waste the time of pushing a car that has the power to take you or carry you to your destination. Amen. Amen. Now, we understand that concept. That's why I believe that all of us here tonight did not push our cars to church. I don't believe anybody. Did anybody push their car? Nobody pushes their car to church. Nobody pushes their car home. Nobody pushes their car to church. Why? Because we understand that there's something in that car that has the power to take us where we need to go. Amen. So, when we think about that, when we look at the Spirit of God, who indwells the believer, he becomes that invisible power source to take us where we need to go. Many of us, or all of us who came here tonight in our cars, we didn't push our vehicles, we sat in the car, and we let the car take us to where we need to go. The Holy Ghost, that invisible power that is in us, gives us the power to drive where we need to go. That's what the Spirit of God does. Go with me, if you're in chapter 3, go up in verse 16. In verse 16 it says this, In that he would grant you, and this is Paul's prayer, he prayed that, he, that God would grant us, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man. The New Living Translation reads it like this, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. So two things we see here. God wants to strengthen us with his might. That word might again is the word dunamis. And he wants to strengthen us, strengthen us with his dunamis where? In the inner man or the hood if you will. Under your hood which is your spirit man. And so that's what he wants to do. He wants to strengthen us with his power or with his dunamis power, how? By his spirit into the inner man. That's what he desires, that's what he desires to do. The Spirit of God has many roles, but the cheapest role that he has is to empower believers to live supernatural lives. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? Yes. And that's what the Spirit of God does. Go with me to Luke chapter 24. So this dunamis power dwells underneath us or in us. The inner man working constantly, being active so that we can live the supernatural life that we have all been called to live by. This power that I'm talking about, this supernatural power, this supernatural ability, this dunamis power has been promised to us by the Lord Jesus. In Luke 24 and verse 49 Jesus uh, promises disciples and give them some instructions. He says this in verse 49. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry ye or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you be endured with power from on high. The word endured means to be clothed. And so Jesus is telling his disciples, wait in Jerusalem until you've been clothed with the power or the dunamis. From on high. Go to Acts chapter 1. And in verse 8. Very familiar verses. <coughs> Excuse me. Acts 
1 in verse 8 says this. But you shall receive power, that is ability or efficiency or might or supernatural ability, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Again, that word power is the dunamis power. Now, one thing I want you to notice is this. He promised power. And when did he say the power is going to come? Excuse me? After when the Holy Spirit comes. So what happens when the Holy Spirit comes? Power comes. So in other words, power comes when the Holy Ghost comes. Right? Say that with me. Power comes when the Holy Ghost comes. And if you continue reading the book of Acts, the Holy Ghost came. And on the day of Pentecost, in that upper room, several disciples were up there doing what Jesus said to do, which was to wait and tarry until they're endued or clothed with this power. And something happened when this power came upon them. We're going to talk a little bit about that later. But the power came. And when power came, things changed. So now you have the power, or I should say, the presence of this power that is within them. That same power is present within us. When we talk about, matter of fact, we're singing that today. How about the precious blood of Jesus or the power of God and how it's the same power that raised up Christ from the dead, according to Romans 8. That same power that raised up Christ from the dead, it's the same power that dwells in us. But it's that power, the Bible says, it's the spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. We're talking about that same power that lives inside of us. It's that same power that was involved in creation. When God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God was very much a part of that. It's the same power that parted the Red Sea. It's that same power that endued the disciples with power, causing them to become witnesses. Because without that power, they would not be effective witnesses. What would happen if the disciples decided not to wait? Not to tarry, but decided just to go ahead and just, you know what, let's just do this on our own. How far do you think they'll get? Not too far. Because you know why? Something is missing. Power. That's what you and I have. So, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but why is it that with all this power that is in us, this wonderful presence of God's power, Dwelling on the inside of us. This invisible power source that's in us. Why is it that so many Christians, so many of us, still struggle with sin and still struggle with the flesh? Why is that? I'll just think about that for a couple of minutes. Because I went ahead of myself, I need to go ahead of myself in these, uh, these notes. <laughs> One of the reasons why I believe that many Christians struggle in their flesh or with sin is because they have not been completely yielded to this power. You know, how many of you heard the story of, uh, this happened several years ago in Haiti, where there's a uproar going on up there and um, a lot of unrest and, uh, and there was a, I believe a general, an army general who came in and kicked out the president of Haiti 
And he took over that power. Do you remember that? I'm not exactly sure what the politics was, but, but it was an uproar. And uh, so what happened was the army general kicked out the president, and then he took over the office. Then after a period of time, uh, I guess maybe through a series of, of, of agreements and negotiations, the general decided to, uh, to give up his position and give the, the office back to the president from before. Now, when the time came for him to give up the office, he didn't want to let it go. Because you see, he got used to that power. He, got, he liked that power. So he didn't want to release it. That's a perfect description of the flesh. It wants to take control. It doesn't want to, you know, relieve or, or, or release the control. It wants to stick around. And if we allow the flesh to stick around, then that's what's going to happen. He's going to want to hold on. He just does not want to relinquish any power, any control. And when that happens, you have to ask yourself, is the Spirit of God controlling my life? Think about that. You know yourself better than anybody else in this world. Think about it. What is controlling your life more? The Spirit of God or the flesh? And if you can answer that question, then you know where you are spiritually. Because again, we have this ability. Go to 1 Peter chapter, or 2 Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. Beginning verse 2 it says this. Grace and be peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power or dunamis has given unto us what? All things that what? Pertain unto life and godliness to the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So the fact that God has given us all things to, that pertain to godliness tells me one thing. That we have the ability to live godly lives. We have that ability to live godly lives. And again, as I told you before, we're talking about the same power that raised Christ from the dead. It's that same power that still dwells in you. That invisible power source so that, that will provide you the, the ability to live the supernatural life that God has called us to live. And because we've been given all things according to his divine power to live this godly life, there are many Christians who struggle. And it's, again, it's interesting because you have a lot of people who want to talk about power, power, power. They want to talk about how they have power, but yet they're denying that power. It's like walking around saying they have power, but yet... They've not turned on the power switch and still walking in the dark. And you know, saints, we've been called to a much higher life than that. We've been called to do far greater things than that. As I said before, the two main purposes that God wants to demonstrate his power is to magnify his glory and to fulfill his purpose on this earth. How do you think he's going to do that? Through us. So how can you magnify the glory of God if you're struggling in the flesh? And you know, I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm, I'm speaking just as much for me as well as for you. Because again, God has called us to a much higher life. And he's given us the ability. And if we recognize and acknowledge the fact that we have the ability 
to live a supernatural life, then all we need to do is simply yield to the Spirit of God. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Beginning verse 16, Galatians 5, verse 16 says this, this I say, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would, but if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now these are the works of the flesh that are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So it's like somebody pushing their car Rather than sitting in the car and allowing the car to bring it to its destination. And that's what a lot of Christians are doing today. When the Holy Ghost came, power came upon the disciples. Things happened. Things changed. A good example was Peter. You know Peter. Peter was a man who talked big, but didn't have the stuff to back up his words. He was a man that ran at the time when the rubber met the road. And so, and he was also the same guy that denied Jesus three times. So, he was a man who was kind of a wimp, you would say. Can I say that, spiritual wimp? We don't have spiritual wimps in this house today, right? I don't think so. But Peter was a spiritual wimp. But what happened when on the day of Pentecost, in that upper room, when the Spirit came, power came also. And then... The change that took place in Peter's life is amazing. Go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. God creates powerful people who have his powerful presence to fulfill his powerful purpose. That's you and I. Acts chapter 4. <coughs> And in verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people. Then he began to rattle off the word. Now let's skip down to verse 13. Now as they observed the, uh, the confidence of Peter and John, and understood that they were uneducated, untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Now what I want you to see is that Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak to the rulers and the elders. Now I want you to notice who, they were, who he was addressing to. You were talking about the same guy that not too long ago ran away and, and was afraid and was acting like a spiritual wimp. But when the Spirit of God came upon him, something happened. He changed dramatically. And just to show you that now he's facing the very same people he was afraid of, but he spoke boldly. And then he made this comment 
in verse 13 because they threatened him and said, don't go on and teaching this gospel again. Because if you do, we're going to kill you, beat you, and whatever. And he says this. Okay, I think I'm getting ahead of myself again. Anyways, in one part of the verse, he says this. He says, I would rather obey God than man. Now, the Peter of all would not have done that. The Peter of all would have just kept quiet and says, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know who it is. I, I just don't know nothing. I know nothing. I see nothing. I hear nothing. But when the Spirit of God came upon Peter, a drastic change occurred. My point here is this. The Holy Spirit is what makes the difference in your life. He is the one that makes the difference because he come, he will change your personality, he will change your character, he will change your attitude, he will change your perspective of things, he will change your view of things, he will change you completely because you will no, you no longer become the person that you once was, but he's transforming you into somebody that God has called you to be. Remember, you've received the power to live supernatural lives. Peter could not fulfill God's purpose if he was not filled with this power that made the difference. Not just him, but also the disciples as well, because they also ran. But then you see how God changed their lives, and they began to preach and minister the gospel under the power of the Holy Ghost. Because the power of the Holy Ghost is what made the difference in their lives. That same Spirit can do the same in your life. And you know, and, and again, I, you're all here tonight. And I'm sure that you've all experienced some sort of power or some measure of power by the Holy Spirit. That you've experienced some transformation in your life. That your view of things are no longer what they used to be. And you don't talk like you used to talk. And you don't think like you used to think. And you don't do the things that you used to do. Because even if you try doing it, it just does not feel right anymore. Then you know that you've changed. You know that you've experienced some transforming power. But the power is constantly working. And that's what Ephesians 3.20 says. That it says, for the power that is working in us. And it's interesting because the Bible says that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. According to the power that works in us. When we yield ourselves to the Spirit of God, then God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think in us. Think about that. God would be able or make possible to do exceeding abundantly, super abundantly in us, in you. To do anything that God's called you to do. You, you know, we, there are many Christians who Oh Lord, how can I say this without getting in trouble? What's the nearest exit door? Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is my security. Okay, just want to make sure he's in place. I'm still talking about the awesome power of God. But now I'm speaking about the awesome power of God in a personal level. <coughs> As I said before, there are too many Christians walking around powerless rather than powerfully. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning verse 1. 
Well, you know what? Let me find it there. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Verse 4, traitors, heady, high-minded lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. Verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such, turn away. When Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, he was referring to something that was about to happen in the future. But he also noticed that, that it already started. Because he was telling Timothy, from these people, you stay away from. And there are a lot of people going around here who are having a form of godliness, but denying the power or that dunamis. That word form is an appearance or an outward shape. You know, putting on a mask and playing the role of a Christian. You know, someone who takes the, the, the title Christian and live by that title, but yet denying the power that is in them to make them become the person that God had called them to be. And the word says deny, which means to contradict or to reject this dunamis power. Titus 1 in verse 16 says this, they profess, to, they profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny Him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. The fact that power was denied means that there was power present. Think about that. Why would you deny the very power that God has given to us for us to live right? That's what he's given us, the power, the ability to live right. Another, another translation of the word dunamis is force. There's a force that's inside of you that's giving us the ability to walk as God walked. When he says to be holy as I am holy, you think that God is telling us that because we can't do it? Why would God tell us to do that if we don't have the ability to do that? Listen, my friends, to live a holy life is a decision that we make. Because we have the, the ability, we have the power, we have the equipment to do that. And you know, the Spirit of God is just waiting for us to allow Him to just do what, 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 what He knows that we can do and accomplish through the Spirit of God. So amazing what you can do by the power of the Spirit. You know, it's like, you know, how many of you ever had a UPS guy come to your uh, house with a package? And you either can receive it or reject it. But if you reject it, then you turn the UPS guy away and he goes off into his own business. And that's what many of us have done with the power of God. That ability, that supernatural, that invisible power source that is inside of us. You know, it's interesting too because Paul tells Timothy to endure hardness like a soldier. Well, that means that there are times when we will go through some rough times. But you and I will not be able to go and, and face challenging times in our lives without the help of this power source that's inside of us. That power source will help us to endure whatever comes our way. 
So that we can be able to stand and having done all the stand. So that we can find ourselves on the other side. But we cannot do it without the help of the Holy Spirit. My friends, listen. I think sometimes the Holy Spirit is like a silent partner. Doesn't speak very much. But when he does, he makes his presence felt. If you allow him. See, it's all within your hands. You know, the Bible says, according to the power that works in us. So, in other words, the more we yield to the Holy Ghost, the more that power works and become active. But you and I get to stand in the way sometimes of allowing the Holy Ghost to have his way. That's why Paul says in Galatians, to walk in the Spirit and not so that you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When we're constantly being yielded to the Holy Ghost, following His dictates, following His direction, then we will, the Bible says we will not be able to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now understand that because we live in the flesh, there's going to be a constant battle with the flesh. So there's not going to be a day that you're not going to feel like you're in the flesh. You get up in the morning, you're not always going to feel like you're full of vigor and full of fire. And Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's go and charge hell with a water pistol. No, there are times you're going to say, oh man, I don't feel like going to work today. Man, I don't know this day. Oh my Lord, I got to deal with this person. Oh my goodness. And, or you start thinking about what happened yesterday or the argument that you had with your spouse the day before. You're thinking all kind of bad thoughts. I know none of you have done that. <laughs> Praise the Lord, you're a holy bunch today. <laughs> but we all contend with the flesh. But we have the Spirit of God to help us to overcome the flesh. We have the Spirit of God that gives us the power, the ability to overcome or to endure hardness. We have the Holy Spirit, the power source, that silent, invisible power that is within us to stir us up. To help us to do things that we thought we could never do. To love people that you never thought you'd be able to love. Well, that's scary. <laughs> to be able to tackle challenges that you never thought you'd be able to tackle. To endure certain situations in your life that you never thought you'd be able to endure. To be able to overcome overwhelming, overwhelming circumstances. You know when things happen all at once and it seems like the whole world's crumbling underneath you and everything's not, just not going right. You know, it's, it's just overwhelming. And we've all been overwhelmed before, haven't, haven't we? All of us have, at some point, have been overwhelmed. But the Spirit of God helps us to overcome overwhelming circumstances. Listen, if you try doing anything, you know, it's interesting how people will go to conferences and, um, um, you know, programs and Bible, whatever. Just to try to fix something that the Holy Ghost can fix. Looking for solutions, looking for techniques, looking for ways to try to change or try to stir something up. When everything that you need is already inside of you. You need something that needs to be fixed. Why not just reach out to the Holy Ghost and say, Lord, fix me up. Fix me, Lord. I'm broke. The Holy Ghost is what makes the difference in our lives. Go to Acts chapter 5. 
My friends, this power is real. And this, this power can change you. And you know, it, it, it's a series of process. You know, God deals with certain areas in our lives. Once he's overcome that, once he's fixed that, then he's on to the next. You know, he never stops working. <laughs> Sometimes it takes a little longer to fix certain things than others. But he's working. He's active. Acts chapter 5. As I said before, God will only demonstrate his power to glorify or to magnify his glory and to fulfill his purpose. Look at, and this is the example I was trying to find. In Acts chapter 5 verse 27 says, When they had brought them, the disciples, they stood them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. And yet, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Now Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. Before, they would not have done that. But now you find themselves eye to eye, toe to toe with the rulers and the authorities. Knowing also the threat of being imprisoned or beaten or, or executed. But because they were changed, something happened to them on that day that transformed their lives, transformed their thinking, and given this Holy Ghost courage to face the authorities no matter what the threats were. And then the Bible goes on to say that they were beaten and then they were released with the, with the strict order of don't go teaching this stuff again. It's like a little kid when you spank him and say, don't do it again. The next day he's doing it again. And in verse of that same chapter, in verse 40, goes, uh, look, look what it says. And uh, after they convened, the authorities convened, they took their advice. And then after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And then released them. And then verse 41. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And verse 42, I love this. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. These once holy, uh, these once spiritual wimps now became spiritual powerhouses. And again, I, I point that out because I want you to see the transformation that takes place in a person's life when the Holy Ghost comes upon us. He makes the difference. I think some of us sometimes forget that we have the Holy Ghost in us. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible, in, I think in Deuteronomy, um, and I think it's in chapter 8, where God gave final instructions to the children of Israel just before they were about to go into the promised land. And God says, remember to keep the commandments of the Lord. Then he goes on to say, and when you go into the land and you enjoy all the fruits of the land and, and, and are filled with all the wonderful food and, and, and the crops and, and you're prosperous and, and, and you get all of the ton, the silver and the gold and, and you're filled and you're prospering and you're doing wonderful and you've got everything that you need just as I promised you. He says, don't forget the Lord your God. And it's interesting how we always tend to forget when things are going well, we tend to forget what God has done. And that's what happens with the Holy Ghost. We tend to forget that we have the Holy Spirit. And it's very easy to forget when we're on top of the world and everything's going well. But then when we're facing challenges, we forget that the Holy Ghost is there to help us. 
And I think that what we need to do is begin to start asking the Holy Ghost. Begin to speak to the Holy Ghost and tell the Holy Ghost, show me what to do. Um, a couple of days ago, no, actually, I think it was early in the week, uh, my wife told me, honey, you should call your cousin. You know, every time my wife says that, it's all because there's something going on inside of her, feeling like there's a need to call. And I said, well, okay, I'll, I'm going to give him a call. Of course, I didn't call him. I think I need to listen to the Holy Ghost and my wife. <laughs> and so my cousin happened to come by and began to tell us what happened. And I tell you, the stuff that he had went through, the physical and, and whatever, all the stuff they had gone through, just like my wife had felt in her heart that something's not right, something's going on, something is happening. And this is the third time she's done that with him. And each time when she called or he came by the house, it was always because something that was going on in his life. See, and that's what the Spirit of God does. He helps us. He prepares us for what's coming. He, he equips us. He empowers us. And he helps us to live right. He's given us the power to live righteously. He's given us the power to live holy lives. But see, what you and I need to do is we need to acknowledge that. Yield to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, I can't, but I know you can. Help me. And then when you yield yourself, he'll begin to help you. Take you step by step where you need to go. How you need to act. How you need to talk. How you need to think. You know, it's interesting because when Christ died on the cross for our sins, and the moment we ask him to come into our lives, we become his territory. We become his kingdom for him to rule over. And when he begins to be the ruler and lord of our lives, then he gets that power that begins to work and become effective because we've submitted ourselves to his kingship, his lordship. And it's the Holy Spirit that helps us to be obedient to His will. You know, a lot of times when we're faced with, uh, when God tells us to do something, a lot of times it's hard for us to obey certain things. Uh, again, when God tells us to walk in love towards someone that you don't want to love, and you don't think you could ever love, or you may think that you can never forgive. But when you rely on the Holy Ghost, He'll show you how to forgive. He'll show you how to love. I remember I had to deal with an issue like that where I had to learn to love. And it's very hard to love somebody who despitefully use you and persecute you. It's very hard to love someone who looks at you in the face and you know that this person is up to no good. And you know that every motive that this person has is never for good, but always to do you harm. And when you have to put up with that constantly for years having to deal with that and having to deal with your emotions and having to deal with the struggle of, of, of trying to contain your anger and, and, and trying to prevent thoughts from entering into your head 
bad thoughts, evil thoughts concerning that person. For me, that was a struggle. But I, I know what the Bible says, and I know what the scripture tells me, and I know what Jesus says love your enemies. He says to bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you. I had to memorize that verse, those uh, passages of scriptures. That, that passage of scripture had to take me through that, that struggle that I had. I remember one time in, early in my Christian life, this is when I really had to rely on the Holy Ghost. And I was still new to the things of God. And I had to face this individual. And, I, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm growing. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm on fire for God. I mean, I, I found something new. And I found out like gold. And I'm, I just want to hold on to it. And man, you talk about not being prepared. When I had a confrontation with this person, this person knew exactly which button to push. Whew. They knew it, just that one button, boop. And I tell you, I forget who I was. I reverted back to who I used to be, forgetting who I am, who I was at the time. And as I was blowing up and words that are ungodly come out of my mouth, as best I can put it. And it was just coming out, ba 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 da da, and everything else, and the rage and the anger and the frustration all at once, bam. And all that time, the person's looking with that smile, as if to say, I've accomplished my will. Woo, I tell you, that's the worst. At that moment, I realized I fell into a trap. I went in blind and I fell in, wasn't prepared. Wasn't expected. I Me, mean, I just, I just was going to go in, do my thing, and go out. And I remember that day. My wife was in the car. We weren't married. We were engaged at the time. And I went into the car, outside, and I broke down and cried. I bursted out in tears because I realized I disappointed God. It was the worst feeling when you know you disappointed God. You knew you blew it, and the worst part is that you fell into a trap. You should have been prepared. But see, I was young in the Lord. But I grew from that. I, re, I, I learned to rely on the Holy Spirit after that. I, re, I learned to Lord, am I walking into a trap? Because if I am, let me know. Let me be prepared. But see, that's what the Spirit of God helps you to do. It prevents you from doing something that you're going to regret doing. But helps you become prepared and do the godly thing rather than the ungodly thing. Now, we're not perfect. And we live in a very imperfect world. And I, you know, that doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect every day. And there are going to be some times and some days that you will slip. There's going to be times when you're going to get, have a moments of the flesh. But the one thing I don't want you to do is beat yourself up. And say, I'll never amount to anything. I'll never get this. I'll never make it. No, then what you're doing is you're falling deep into a trap. Now you get yourself up. Get back in God's face, pray, ask God to forgive you, confess your sins, and then move forward. Because you see, God's work, His power is still working. His power is still active. And if you ever slip up, get back, get back in the place where He can fix you up and get you back on track. And then before you know it, that incident is behind you and it's not holding you back, it's not beating you down. It's not preventing you from moving forward. Listen, the Holy Ghost, you know, you can be a person who maybe worries a lot. 
And maybe worrying is part of, it's in your genes. Maybe your parents were warriors. Maybe your grandparents were warriors. So you figure you're going to be a warrior. Man, that's a lie of the devil. But the Holy Ghost can change that. You may, you may deal with inadequacy. And maybe somebody, you, somebody told you growing up that you never amounted to anything. That you never accomplished anything. And that you never be anybody. But the Holy Ghost can change that. The Holy Ghost can take your inadequacies and make you adequate. The Holy Ghost can take that worry spirit from you and make you someone who's confident. Because our confidence is in the Lord. Listen saints, I'm sharing this with you because there is a power that is in us. A power that has been promised to us. A power that dwells in us and is active. And the more we allow it to work, the more we yield to it, the more he does his work. And the more powerful we become. We become God's powerful people. Not because any power that we have of ourselves. But because of the power that lives in us. Amen. Amen. Let me leave you with this last note. As I said before, sometimes we just need to talk to the Holy Ghost. And ask Him to give us strength. It's like the story that I once read. About a boy and his father walking on the road. And as they were walking on the road, they saw a huge rock. And the father told the little boy, son, go pick up that heavy rock and get it out the way. And the boy went out there and grunted and groaned and said, daddy, I can't do it. It's too heavy. He said, son, go back out there. You can do it. Go pick up that rock and move it out of the way. And the son goes back out there, lifted up, grunt, daddy, I can't do it. It's too heavy. Father says, son, I know you can do it. Go back out there. Do it again. I know you can do it. Go ahead and lift it. The son goes back out there again. He's lifting it, lifting it, grunting, groaning, straining. Daddy, I can't do it. He says, son, you can do it. Use all of your strength. And this went on two or three times. He says, daddy, I can't do it. I'm using all of my strength. And the father comes over to the son, puts his arms around the son. He says, son, you don't understand. You did not use all of your strength. You didn't ask me. Sometimes we fail to ask the Holy Ghost for that extra power. He's alive. He's real. And he lives in us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for ministering to us tonight. Thank you for making us aware that you are real. That the Holy Ghost power, Father God, is there in us to live, to breathe, to work, and to be active, to energize us, Father, to be everything you want us to be. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that we're able to be all that you want us to be. I thank you, Father God, that by the power of the Spirit, we're able to do exceeding abundantly above all because of the power that rests in us. Father, we thank you, Lord, for everything you've done. I thank you for ministering to us and speaking to us right where we need to to be spoken, Father. Meeting us right where we need to be met. Father, I thank you so much for everything that you're about to do. And now, Lord, I thank you for the awareness now that we know that we have this power. And Lord, from from now on, Lord, we're not going to be spiritual wimps, but we're going to be powerful people. Having a powerful presence to fulfill a powerful purpose. And for this, we give you all glory and all praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.